And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 29 of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Mark Carrig. There's no Andy McCullough today, the self-professed glue of the podcast. Uh, He is on assignment. He's traveling. He's going to be at the ALCS. Uh, But that's okay, Mark, because check this out. On YouTube, 10 hours of funny goat sounds. So I can just replace Andy. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point about... uh, uh, Lorenzo Kane. Yeah. Okay. That really adds to the conversation. Anyway, how are you doing? How are you doing, Mark? I'm just amused that Andy dumped Clayton Kershaw for Spencer Strider. I know. You see that? Yeah. It's like that new friend meme. Now my new friend is Spencer oh, Strider. Like if Strider That's a great article. A, it was a great article. Also, if Strider takes up poker. My goodness. That is why Andy's actually not here. He, he wanted to duck the hard questions about being a curse and for uh, giving the world a brief glimpse of how much fun Spencer Strider could have been before he was absolute, absolutely uh, tanked. Mm-hmm. Nice work, Andy boy. <laughs> the glue. The glue of the podcast. Reminds me of that scene from A Christmas Story where he gets all mad and he goes, you use up all the glue on purpose. <laughs> That's what we are. Sitting here with an empty glue glue bottle, waiting waiting around. This isn't a round table anymore. This is like no. a long kitchen table, like a, a rectangle. It's an awkward dinner table, like two people at the opposite ends of the long table. Yeah, this is like uh, I'll bring up a Christmas movie. This is like uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and her husband in Christmas Vacation, just like Safe. sterile, sitting across from each other. Anyways. Uh, there were 300 win or three 100 win teams in the National League this season, which is a lot. They're all very good teams. They're all gone. That seems interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming? Because if you introduce more teams into a <laughs> tournament in which luck is at the center of the whole thing, man, how could that possibly happen? They get knocked out by you know teams that were supposedly quite inferior to them. Gee, that's weird i've mentioned this on the pod before but i had this galaxy brained idea that we were entering into a post luck sort of situation where you could have 
your team of uh, quants, like you're looking at the Padres and you're saying, here is how you get this guy out. Very specifically, he has no way to counteract this. So if you execute, we can do this and we're post luck now. Uh, that's not the case because the Dodgers were something like, well, I don't know, one for 30 with runners in scoring position. Nothing you can do about that. That's just the playoffs, baby. Dude, that's just baseball, baby. Right? They could have taken that one for 30 against the Colorado Rockies and no one would notice it. But now it's here and everybody notices. And it's, it's the same guys. It's the same guys holding the bats, more or less. So, you know, I, I think discussing luck when it comes to baseball is always so difficult because I think we live in this world where it's one or the other. It's got to be skill or it's got to be luck. It can't be both. And, you know, the reality is that, of course, it's both. Right. And, and it's really, you know, depending who you're talking to, how much on that sliding scale does, is, you know, does luck have more of, to do with it? Does skill have more to do with it? And you can argue up and down that, that spectrum. But the point is, what, especially this time of year, goodness gracious, it's so much of it is just, in my opinion, luck. And so I think I'm surprised by is like, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised by it because we talked about this when we were talking about playoff format. Right? Is it a benefit to sit? Okay. On the one hand, you you don't end up doing what the Mets did. You miss the division and you get beat in the first round. Right? Like you, if you did your thing, you were able to sidestep that. Now that said, when the Dodgers don't get the job done like that, you have to wonder: Is that because they sat around for those you know days waiting for their opponent? And as we know, it's a sport that's based on rhythm too. Right? So I, I don't know. I wonder about that. I also wonder if it's like clutch hitting where we will never get evidence one way or another. We will never be able to correlate. Because to me, the, the number one postseason series that sticks out in my mind as a team that had a lot of things going for it, but just did not get more than one hit for an entire series with runners in scoring position was the 2002 NLCS. The Cardinals could not get a hit with runners in scoring position. They lost to the Giants. The Giants won the pennant. I just remember going through the game logs and here's a hit that would have changed the series. Here's a hit. Here's a hit. Those hits didn't happen. So they didn't have the long layoff. There's going to be no proper way to correlate and, and uh, find the causality. But I do wonder, and it's valid to wonder because the hitters, the Dodgers hitters, best offense in baseball this year by a huge margin, they looked flat. So why not blame something? You know, you're talking about the quants earlier, Grant, right? And here's another thing that I think people not forget about because they know this, but I think it's, it's a good reminder. The game has basically attacked luck for the last 30 years, right? Like the whole thing has been eliminate luck. Like let's go back to the earliest example. The reason that on-base percentage is a thing, not only because obviously the less outs you make, the better off you are, but also you could predict it better right? Like that's the reason. Not not that, oh, you like it better than hits. No, you always take the hits. It's just you can't predict those. You can kind of predict getting on base. But the point is though, no matter how good you get at this, what's the percentage really of luck that you're taking out, right? I mean, it's we're gaining on it, right? I think you can, you know, we, we know that handedness matters, right? And you're talking about matchup specific things in bullpens now where you've got all this data to back up maybe something you're seeing in real time or what a player might be feeling in real time. Now you've got numbers that say, hey, you know, there might be something to this. But if you accumulate all of that knowledge that they've, they've gathered, all of the resources that have been poured into trying to eliminate luck, what percentage do you think have they actually eliminated? 
my suspicion, Grant, is that is not a very high percentage, but that's better than nothing. You're shaving right? off the margins. Yeah, no, it's. I think about this all the time. Where you, if you go back and you're thinking of the greatest single baseball swings of a bat in history, whether it's Bill Mazeroski or Joe Carter, or you've got every walk-off home run, every bases loaded double. How many of those at bats or plate appearances had? a foul ball where they just ticked off the bat, right? And, or just just went uh, a little squibber that just went foul. A lot of them probably. And what are those? That's the hitter not executing the way he wanted to. That is the hitter making a decision to swing, getting a suboptimal outcome that just happened to not work out that poorly in his favor. And it fascinates me. And it's the same thing with pitching when it comes to no hitters and perfect games and dominant performances. How many pitches do all of those pitchers go, ooh, oh, I got lucky there? Probably a lot of them. Probably most of them. And that's the sport. That is the sport. It is not, you know, Peyton Manning dropping back and, you know, getting perfect mechanics to a receiver running a slant route. This is a weird-ass sport. And it's always going to be a weird-ass sport, even if you shave all that luck off the margins. Exactly. I mean... Okay, we're in the part of year now where part of the sport, part of the parlor game is to do the, oh man, I don't know if that dude ran the bullpen very well last night, right? Here's what <laughs> I would have done, blah, 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 blah. Oh, or I don't know if I'd go with X starter, I'd go with my dude on short rest and all this. The thing is, it's fun to talk about it, but we're all doing it with really incomplete information because you've been in a clubhouse, you, you cover these teams. Like so, Sometimes a pitcher will wake up and just be like, uh-oh, you know, like they'll know <laughs> right. that like, man, I don't feel right. This isn't, I don't feel exactly right. Or they're like five pitches into their bullpen and they realize, ooh, that breaking ball, you know, that doesn't feel right coming out of there. And the catcher will know it too. And so that is something significant. Or when we're talking about rest for starters, you know, every person's different. Not just the mental part, but the physical part. I mean, I think... I knew pitchers that would say to me that they were somebody who recovered at X rate and that if they didn't get that, it could be problematic. Like, and they're not going to broadcast that, obviously, because that's, you know, that would be stupid to do on a lot of different levels. But the point is, hey, these are individuals. And I think a lot of times when people focus on, oh, did they go on short rest? The fan and the observer looks right for the mental part. Are they tough enough to do this? Do they have the guts to do this? The will to do this? We never talk about, hey, are they physically actually up to it? And there's a reason we don't talk about it. They have zero incentive to talk about that. You don't want that out there. The manager has zero incentive to talk about that. But guess what? That is going to change their decision making because they know it. They, they know what's going on there. So I think that's another form of luck, isn't it? That, that you happen to have, let's say, a group of relievers that you can run out there five days in a row and feel like it's not going to be a huge thing. Whereas team, you know, the other team that has had a good bullpen all year, maybe their mix of guys has a lot fewer dudes where you can do that with. Or have him sit down and come back out after like 40 minutes or whatever. Didn't that happen with Phillies? Against the, um, the Barbs, of course. And who was the lefty that did this? It was Is it Alvarado? Guy, Alvarado. So Alvarado has that fast, in, or not fast, in, Alvarado gets called in the game. Then there's that long inning. And they send him back out. And it's like, okay, clearly he was capable of doing that. But that's not everybody. And so now you're asking people to do things that they're unaccustomed to that you can kind of hide in the regular season. 
Well, what kind of dudes you have on your roster, that's kind of luck. Because that's not stuff that matters, you know, for the first however many months of the year. And then all of a sudden it matters a lot. And like, what's the logical endpoint for that? Where if you've got a team like the Dodgers that has no problem throwing all sorts of resources, they have a an analytical staff that is twice as big as the next biggest one. Can they drill down and do research on when this guy sits for this long, he's this effective when this, and they've got these numbers, have got this dossier, they hand it to Dave Roberts and he looks at this and goes, oh, I guess they should uh, sit Will Smith tonight for game one because that's not going to work. And then like Austin Barnes goes 0 for 5 with six strikeouts and and everyone's going, oh, why are you sitting Will Smith? You know, like, is that the logical end point? I don't think so. I just think it's going to be, like you're saying, another version of luck. You're going to start Will Smith. You're going to put Freddie Freeman in there, even if he's uh, rusty off of layoffs, according to your dossier. That's just how it's going to work. And yeah, if you got the guys, you got the guys. And maybe sometimes these teams don't have the guys. Now get into the gen pop, right? We're talking about luck for the first, you know, 10 minutes of this. There's a lot of people that would react very poorly if you said that, right? You're like, hey, you know, we could talk about wins and losses and roster construction and managing the game and all that stuff. But man, I think this just all comes down to luck. Ooh, I think you get some people who are just like, well, what's the whole point then? You know, there are players that wouldn't like to hear that either. But like the reality is, man, so much of it's luck. And like, that's not, and that's a good thing. Because I, I, I think getting there isn't luck at all, right? Like getting to the postseason, getting a ticket to the dance means that you're a good baseball team most likely, right? And that's the reason you play the long season. And I know there has been some like debate about that on social media where it's like, well, what's the point then? Right. If you're going to let like the Padres into the dance and they can go wreak havoc. Right. The Phillies can go in here and wreak havoc. Um, and, and after being kind of this incomplete, flawed, whatever word you want to use for the long haul. And what's the whole point of this? I don't know, man. Like the Dodgers could also win their games, I guess. Right. The Braves could also win their games. They can also execute. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, weird, man. People don't like talking about luck because I think when you go down to the, you can drill down all the way. The reason you and I are talking right now is because a million years ago, two very specific flatworms met and, and you know, had sex. <laughs> and that's scary. You know, if those two flatworms don't meet, then we're not here or something. I don't know. It's, it's scary to think about, but... Listen, I was on the Clayton Kershaw, uh, Clayton Kershaw is being done dirty by the Dodgers beat when I was at SB Nation because that was the narrative around he just can't handle the postseason. He wilts under pressure. He cracks. He's just not built for this. And I would look at his starts and go, the Dodgers aren't doing him justice. They are short rest, short rest. They're leaning on him. They're not taking him out in the seventh inning when it's clear he's lost a little bit. You could point to specific plays. This ball just got over Hanley Ramirez's glove, and that's what started everything. That's baseball, and it's not about narratives. It's not about, you know, Madison Bumgarner in the 2012 World Series was basically, oh gosh, we have to use him in the World Series. They didn't use him in the NLCS because he was so bad, so unreliable. Does that mean he can't handle the pressure? No, he was like 21 years old and gassed, you know, and then he builds up, and now he's the uh, World Series champion for forever, and he's the guy who can come in on two days rest and save the game that's all bullshit narrative. I mean, it's it's valid, but it's also like you're overlooking just how much luck plays into this. And it's, no one likes to hear it, but that's baseball. I think it speaks to, you know, you're talking about narrative. Telling stories is how we make sense of the world. I always like cringe when I hear like baseball observers talk about, oh, the narrative, oh, the narrative, oh, the narrative. Dude, 
We literally, the only way we can process what's going on in our world is by telling each other stories. That's a narrative. All right. Yeah. Do you have to question it sometimes? Absolutely. Right. Like you, if you want to be a clear thinker, realize that's how we're processing it. But you don't do away with a narrative. Question it. And like, I think when we talk about luck and what it makes people so uncomfortable in baseball, a narrative is a way to seize control of something. If you're saying that this is all luck, then you have control of nothing. That's a terrifying thought. Like when you think about it, like it's a competitive sport. The whole underpinning is the people on the field are controlling the outcome. Like it's an action that they chose to take and it will lead to some kind of consequence. Boy, it would be nice if it were that straightforward, but clearly in this sport, it isn't. And I kind of think it's cool. So I can understand, you know, the thought of, and this is, I'm going to paraphrase this and it doesn't sound this like bad when I've seen this argument made. It's like, it's not fair to the Dodgers. <laughs> 111 wins and they're at the golf course. It's not fair. There's a team that wasn't as good as them. They shouldn't have had to do that and all this stuff. And it's like, on one hand, I can get that, right? Like that is frustrating if you're a Dodger fan expecting these special things. And boy, that was a great team. Great team and all like, you know, all that. But man, maybe look for another sport to watch because this isn't a new phenomenon, man. It's right. <laughs> it's right there. The English Premier League does not have a, a playoff system. The, the English Premier League, their champions are done by record and points. And at the end, so well, uh, uh, West Strothenspurshire, you know, they had uh, the, the, the lead on points. They, they drew a couple times and that was what got them there. It's right there for you. And it's also there for you in baseball because you can just really put a little more emphasis on the regular season, be impressed with what the Dodgers did, and then look at this, you get a bonus content. You get a, a little bit of extras on the Criterion DVD. You get a postseason series. That's just fun. That's just fun. You can say that the Dodgers' 111 wins are more impressive than winning a, a short series. Valid. That is valid. I was, uh, last year when I was writing about the Giants and their 107 wins, uh, there was a point after they were bounced from the postseason where I thought, gosh, what a disappointment. And that lasted for like two seconds because then it was looking back and going, holy hell, they had that regular season. That happened. That was cool as hell. I loved writing about it and I will have fond memories of that forever. The postseason, yeah, whatever, the Braves won. But that season still exists and I think people need to... Just have their cake and eat it too. The regular season's cool. The postseason's a different animal, also cool. <laughs> Hard to square though, isn't it? Right. Like right. when you step away, right? Because like I get what you're saying, <laughs> but my goodness, who's who's celebrating the '92 Giants right now? The '93 Giants or '93? Yeah, well, sorry, '93. Right. The the hunt. You know, the Braves are. Uh, but it? they missed yeah. the postseason. That's different. That's a that's a brutal. Like, see, that's what I mean. Like now that you have. When you had the old, old system where it was just National League, American League, winner wins the pennant, that is almost like aesthetically a way to appreciate regular seasons more and way to get nuts about a pennant because that does mean something. And you're never going to go back to that because that's fewer postseason series. That's few. It, it does feel a little stilted. You can have great teams miss the postseason. I'm not saying it's better, but it was a better way to appreciate a regular season. Well, it's just the way the games are consumed changed so much since then. Like the consumer has changed so much since then. Like the one, there was a question that I heard and I, I mentioned it earlier. Like what's the point then of the regular season being a marathon if it's not going to like, you know, encourage a system in which the best teams are winning. So I, I don't know. When you think like if you were to start baseball over, 
Would you do it this way? <laughs> no, man. I don't know. Like, I mean, I probably not, right? Like, I mean, think about that. Like, 162 games. Now, they do it this way because the system is still about gate. For the owners, a lot of it is like you, you, you need product to sell, both the TV and for people to come into the park, right? So that's why there's bulk. But if you were to start it over and, and your idea was, let, let's pretend that everyone was going to make the same amount of money, right? That, that you're an owner, you're going to make some money one way or the other, okay? A lot of it. So the point is, in this ideal world, is to set up a system in which at the end of the day, after whatever season you play in, whatever tournament is at the end, the best team is holding up the trophy almost every single time. How would you do it? And I, I don't know. I don't know that you can. I mean, that's that goes back to the whole luck thing that we're talking about. It, would fewer games going to do that? No. Or more games going to do it? Like when they started these kind of schedules, the 152 games or 154 game schedules, and they were doing this stuff before TV. They were doing it, you know, when people had nothing to do. They would have to wait every day for the newspaper. Like they, so yeah, a baseball game every day. That sounds great. It's something to do. There is one movie at the Cineplex, and it's like a train going through a tunnel with like that's what when baseball started. (laughs) That's what the entertainment options were so you're just you're you're shoving games in front of people and they're taking it happily it's not like that anymore there's so much competition and baseball is a marathon and for what for whom yeah it's for the gate now and it's for tradition like you don't want a 16 game season to rival the nfl and then all of a sudden all the stats are weird and people would hate that but i think if you were to go back in time and say what's the optimal amount of a regular season it might be 50 games it might be you know, I, I, I don't, I, that sounds heretical, but it might be there. Yeah. I mean, that, again, if, if optimal in this context is the whole system is to try to weed out the best team. That's what we want, right? Again, that's mm, why we take I the money that. out of it. Like, how does it look? And I don't even know. And like, I guess my, my point is then, is that really the point of this? Right? Because like, it's always, oh, this is the best. We always get into this debate about best team, luckiest team, hottest team, whatever. Like, what's it matter ultimately? Because like, there's no way to get it so that like, it's, you know, in the NBA, for instance, right? We talk about basketball sometimes here. And by the way, the Braves can't give Jordan Poole an extension anymore because the the, uh, Warriors (laughs) beat him to the punch. But like, like in the NBA, right? Upsets are a lot more rare. Like, it just doesn't, you know, and you get those three big players, like we've seen this over and over and over again, like that, there's a tried and true formula in that league. And it has to do with, you know, there's only five players that the advantages are like, whatever, you know, that like, that's a much more predictable sport as far as like outcomes and best teams winning that has nothing to do. And baseball is like absolutely nothing like that. So my question is like, do you even want that? Like, if you're going to sit there complaining about the 111 win Dodgers, you know, not being in it anymore, is, do you really want it to be the other way? Is that the point? And then what would that have to look like when you think about it? And to me, it's like, mm, I don't know. Luck seems fine. <laughs> you know? It's almost like let's start from the ground up and build a, a better poker game than Texas Hold'em. I never want to be beat by a, a three-seven offsuit again. Let's eliminate that version of luck. Let's eliminate flushes. Let's eliminate straights. You know, like it, is that better? No, that, that doesn't. Of that's the not. part of poker. You know, you you flip over that that one card and it's oh my god, he hit the flush. What a lucky bastard! Like that's that's fun. That's the sport. And with basketball. I one of the reasons the We Believe Warriors are so fond they're remembered is because that eight seed beating a one seed 
never happens. Never, ever, ever happens. So when the Warriors did that to the Mavericks, it was a big, big deal. And no one thought, now we're going to just like charge into the NBA Finals because that wasn't going to happen. It was such a fluke. I like the idea that you, you know, with some reservations, but just the idea you get in and I don't know, maybe you barve your way to the World Series. Like maybe you do this, maybe you, I, I kind of like that. And you don't have to think that the World Series run means everything. You can have your cake and eat it too, like I said. Yeah, I saw it being framed over the last couple of days. Like this is some new phenomenon with the expanded playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, no, it's not. And it's actually kind of like a more interesting thing. And I think, again, of that Giants team. If you go back through history, and let's say you put today's rules in place, what second place team in the American League in like the, in the 50s would be like totally remembered differently now if, if this were a tournament that we have today? It's almost like I wonder how many underappreciated great teams are sitting out there that just, you know, I feel like the White Sox are a team that had a bunch of those kind of clubs. Kansas City had a bunch yes. of those clubs, right? Like the, where, oh, they're just right there kind of thing. This is not a new phenomenon is the point. Like I think we, we do want to like when there's changes to, to the format or whatever, oh, that must be, oh, this is this is cheapened it. And I'm certainly guilty of doing st- saying stuff like that. But as I step back and look at this, man, it's always been <laughs> this way. It's always been. Uh, a matter of luck and who's hot and whatever and like you guys know who's listening to this like you can name the teams right now in which like that's the bucket they fit in and like is that the worst thing ever no i actually think it's great we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. 
Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLB Show. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Post-operative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. If you go back to uh, the A's, three championships in a row, 72, 73, 74, how many of those would they have won if they were an extra two rounds? The postseason, all three, maybe, I don't know. You know, There's no uh, wayback machine to let us know, but that's how you eliminate this sort of luck is just say, hey, there is a championship series and now there's a world series and you're going to get some teams that are really good and they can handle that. Or you go back even further where it's just you win the pennant, you're in the World Series, and then you're the Yankees. You're winning the World Series every year because you're the best, best team, and no one can really keep up with you. No one wants to go back to that. No one. That's not fun to have the Yankees win every year because some scout saw Mickey Mantle when he was a teenager. Like <laughs> that's that's not fun. So yeah, I I think that it's it's too much is made of the idea that this is some sort of proof of something other than baseball's hilarious. Good teams have a better chance. Don't get me wrong. Like we said, we're, we're shaving off the margins and we're eliminating as much luck as we want. But baseball's just hilarious. That's always going to be the takeaway from the postseason. So kind of an aside, because I, I worked this week on a story that about Jabba Chamberlain and that Midges game when the Yankees and, and Guardians were playing game three, like there was a possibility that we we're going to see those bugs again. And something that I didn't appreciate until now, like doing the research and then having talked to Jabba and then like seeing some, like I was looking back at old stuff from that time. You know, Fausto Carmona, a.k.a. Roberto Hernandez, got praised for all of his mental toughness for dealing with the midges. That he pitched through it just fine. Whereas Jabba Chamberlain like comes to pieces. And therefore, he's mentally weaker than Fausto Carmona. Right? That has been the whole narrative since then. And by the way, like I think maybe a month or two after that game was played, Brian Cashman, the GM of the Yankees, made an appearance at some college and basically said that Jabba was not mentally strong enough, that the Yankees were not mentally tough enough to get through something like that. Now, Joe Varden, one of our colleagues, basketball writer, really good, really, really good reporter talks to some experts on midges. And this isn't about mental focus. It turns out that maybe Jabba just got super unlucky 
right? That like maybe Fausto Carmona didn't have as many bugs on him for whatever reason. They just happened to gravitate towards Jabba because it turns out what the bugs are doing aren't being attracted to like a certain thing. It wasn't like, oh, Jabba sweats more, Jabba like whatever, right? Like, oh, they just liked him more. No, it was total luck according to these scientists. The, the, the bugs are trying to mate and Jabba just happened to be wrong place, wrong time. But what right does the narrative pheromones. say? Right, right. You know, he create whatever. And he doesn't know either. He's like buying into all this stuff. But like when I heard that, I'm just like, man. So now, like for years and years and years, that's been the narrative. One guy is mentally tough enough to do it. And the other guy is a weakling. When it turns out the whole time, maybe it was just straight up luck. Maybe it was just his, the smell coming off of him was like a Barry White record to midges. You know, they, <laughs> it was right. just... But I mean, my goodness, like that. And like, we do this with teams, don't we? Like, oh man, they were tough enough to do it. They overcame and all this. Like, maybe they just got lucky, you know? Like, I almost want to troll Andy, <laughs> right? Because like, yeah, I, like, I think of the 2015 World Series and what's the first play of that game? An inside the park home run? <laughs> yeah. Or not the first, the first, um, first inning of the game. Yeah. So like, so come on, you know? Like, it's just, I remember just watching that going, oh, jeez. You know, like this sport's so dumb and I love it. I was in the stands by myself because uh, I flew at last second to go see that game. And I laughed and everyone around me is cheering and going nuts. And I'm just laughing because it's like, oh, come on, man. This is the 2015 Royals experience. You, you have to love it. All right. We should probably shift to talking about the future a little bit. So we're not going to get too much into Yankees Guardians game five, because by the time this is out, there'll be a couple hours until it starts. Quick prediction there. Just want to sound stupid for people listening after the fact. I'll go for the safe one. I, I, I'm going to just bet on the bullpens that are in better position. And right now it seems like it's Cleveland's. The Yankees have been beat up and I, I give them credit. I mean, last night, that's why you pay Garrett Cole what you pay him. And, you know, Aaron Boone, their manager, boy, he took a lot of stuff for how he ran that game in game three. And we were talking about this earlier, right? Like, you, you don't ever exactly know. But look, they got the outcome last night. It's what he had planned for. So credit to them. But I, I just think their bullpen, the Yankees bullpen is so compromised at this point that having them be in a position where they're going to have to do it again versus a team that's in a much like they've got like their powder drive for some of their better bullpen guys i just you know based on that alone to me that that's a, a huge huge advantage you know it's savali versus tyone um but i think you know given who's throwing to start the games like you can pretty much bet that these bullpens are getting active early and and to me like that's tilts the favor for cleveland when I'm looking at Savali and I'm looking at his stats this year, it's like, oh, that's really the best Cleveland. But, but that's... He's not going to be around he, long. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, he's he's uh, not quite an opener, but he's not not an opener. So I think that's good analysis. I think if the Yankees get to him early, it, it could just... All of a sudden, there's just a, a runaway boulder going down the hill. But we can talk at length a little bit more about Phillies, Padres, and the NLCS. Uh, one of these two teams is going to make the World Series, and that is funny to me. Um, not because they're bad, but it's just nobody thought that this, that the World Series representative, like if you go back to May, June, July, August, no one's saying, Padres, you know, you'll see them in the World Series or Phillies, they're going to be, but now it kind of makes sense in retrospect. You saw how they played. I don't know. I like this matchup. It's going to be a fun matchup. I love it too. 
I think it's fun. Like it's embrace it, right? Like they got hot at the right time. I want to clarify a tweet. Uh, I should tell the backstory of this. This was in June. I think it was June, somewhere in there. Whenever it was, I was at a uh, church carnival with my daughter. And I looked on my phone and it showed that the Phillies had just swept the Angels or something. And this was in the aftermath of Joe Girardi's firing and the installation of Rob Thompson as manager. I tweet out, oh, when the Phillies get to the postseason, they are going to be a problem. Obviously, having a little bit of fun with that. But of course, like nobody on Twitter has a little bit of fun. So I'm just getting like dunked on left and right. You're an idiot, blah, 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 whatever. Now the Phillies start making noise, right? Like they, they, they get on that winning streak not too far you know, after that. I, actually, that was probably the beginning of that winning streak that turned it around, right? And so every now and again, I'd retweet that just to like have a little fun with it. Well, now they're about to close out the Braves. Holy cow. Like I spent the last two innings of that just retweeting like the worst comments that were sent at me. It was so cathartic. And so, yes, let me just admit, like I was being kind of a smart ass back then because, you know, we talked about that team on the pod, right? Like the, the, the flaws were clear and all that. But you know what? Let's not take away the enjoyment of watching them get hot at the right time. I mean, the Phillies won a bullpen game to get here. <laughs> all right. So. Dude, like that, credit to them, hats off, you know, work that there's, you know, Nola Wheeler up there doing what they're doing. Like, I mean, come on, this is, it's been a lot of fun. And we all knew that that lineup had some thump, so that's not very surprising. But the fact that they have found a bullpen formula that works and then basically advanced because they won a bullpen game, uh, that's amazing. That's like Happy Gilmore when he's like, somebody learned how to putt. You know, just all of a sudden it's, whoa, this shouldn't happen. This oh shouldn't my happen. God, that is the perfect comp because he makes that putt to win the tournament over like the wreckage of a TV tower. And that's exactly what happened. Here comes the Phillies bullpen and you'd think it was like the Rays and all your made up names. Oh no, it's Kirk McGee McGillicuddy. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a tough lefty. Oh, look at this guy. He's going to go multiple innings. Oh, they're in trouble now. Like that. That's exactly what happened. Like that's exactly what happened. And it was awesome. Good for them. When the Nationals won their World Series, it was kind of the same thing. It's like, that's not Drew Storen coming out of the pen. That's you know someone else. And, and it's Sean Doolittle now. And it, he's good. And it just you have, and that's another, like, it's almost like a callback to the narrative thing. What was the narrative around the Nationals? It was always going to be the bullpen. It was always going to be the bullpen that blew it until it wasn't. And that's the, the Phillies. It's the same thing. The Phillies have thrown money and they've had ideas and they've always had just a super weird bullpen at all times. Just their closer would always be some guy who strikes out like two batters per nine innings. You're like, what the hell? And why is he there? And then you look behind him and, whoa, oh, can't use that guy. Like that's been the Phillies for the last, I don't know, decade? You know, it's so good for them. It's, just, it's who's hot at the right time, who can handle that weird postseason workload. And in fairness to them, right? Like the, the Phillies bullpen being a lot better is not a postseason phenomenon, right? Like uh, like they, they've been better the last month or two. So, I mean, let's not pretend that it's otherwise, but like still, right? You give it given like on balance what they have been and sort of the history there and, 
you know, you couldn't have predicted the names, you know, Zach Eflin being like a guy. Yes. Come on. Yes. Like you can't predict that. I mean, even Alvarado, that's a guy who's had some ups and downs in his career. Good for him. He's, they found something that works. Um, so I don't want to like, you know, slight it and just be like, oh, it's just total luck. Because no, they've been better for a bit here. This is not like an overnight thing, but still, right? Given all the dialogue about the Phillies bullpen, to have it be a bullpen game, <laughs> that is amazing to me. On the flip side, Josh Hader is now Josh Hader again. Mm -hmm. And there was, a let's see, from August 9th to August 28th, he appeared in five games. I think he had paternity leave in the middle of there. Uh, but he walked seven guys in two and two-thirds innings. He was just giving up hit after hit, loud contact. It seemed like whatever he used to do to full hitters was gone. And then you look back, well, why did the Brewers trade him? Oh, this is damaged goods. Like you start to, your wheels are turning. Like he's lost. You've seen this happen. Relievers just all of a sudden something goes sproing in their brain and they're not the same. And then September happened and he was pretty dang good. And he was, he, the Dodgers did not like seeing him one bit because when he came out there, he made them look silly. It's funny, right? These teams, um, there are some similarities. The, the bullpen rounding into shape is one of them. Like, right, that what a game changer for the Padres and Hader obviously being at the center of that. So I find it to be a fun matchup. Again, there's going to be a sect of people that look at that and it's like, this sucks, you know, five versus six. Like, what is this? And it's just like, teams get hot, man. Like, they get hot. And that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. I like the freshness of it. Like Dodgers Braves would have been great in its very specific way. Uh, those are two Titans, two excellent, excellent teams. Dodgers Mets would have been uh, fun, although I guess that couldn't happen. But I get that there's going to be a sense that you're missing out on something when it's like Trent Grisham against Connor Brogdon or something. Or you're like looking at Brandon Drury and you're like, okay, this isn't Freddie Freeman. This is Brandon Drury. This isn't as exciting. But uh, no, I kind of like the freshness. And it's not as if these two teams don't have players you want to watch. Exactly. It's Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. It's like it's like David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar. It's like the guy's replacement. And then it, I love it. I freaking love it. Yeah, there's no shortage of names here. I mean, Machado and Harper. What was that offseason where those two names were written about 8 billion times in the first week of the offseason? I mean, come on, right? Like there, there's no shortage here. Manny Machado, by the way, like my goodness, what a year that this guy has had. What a year. Just he's clearly a big presence in the room, but also just the production he's had given the context too, right? Like this is not a team that where everything was smooth sailing, obviously. And thinking about Tatis, but other stuff too. It's been a grind. So for them to get here, you know, good for them. Same with the Phillies, obviously. Like, you know, they fired a manager. You know, in September, you're just like, oh boy, you know, here we go. It's over. They get there anyway. And and you know, now look at that lineup full of thumb right? Full of them. And, you know, Harper uh, doing what he's doing. Uh, I mean, if you look at like how, how he was producing when he came back versus now, uh, what you've seen here in this, like in the last little bit, man, that is going to be an interesting series. Can we just real briefly talk about the idea that you don't need uh, an elbow ligament to swing a bat that somehow Tommy John, like if you need Tommy John surgery, you can't feel, but you can still swing. I don't understand the human body. That has always freaked me out. Like how, how is Bryce Harper hitting, man? Don't you need ligaments to hit? Jeez, oh, right. Like it's so, right. Like one part of the game, he just absolutely cannot do. <laughs> right like right. that you can't you just don't you cannot sir you cannot pick up a ball and throw it. <laughs> like this thing that you've been doing since you were two 
No, you cannot do that. <laughs> but if you want to go launch 500-foot homers, <laughs> go for it. Right? It's, a, it's just so ridiculous. Right? Like, and, and yeah, I mean, it took him a bit, right, to get settled in when he did come back. But clearly, he's found it. It's going to be fun. Now, who do you take? Oh, boy. I, listen, I can't go back now. For the, the athletic uh, season preview, I picked the Padres to win it all. At the beginning of this pod, I think my hot take was that they were going to take over the Dodgers. But also that was uh, linking with my the Padres are going to win it all thing. Uh, I take the Padres. I just it like, you know, when you say you don't want to believe in luck, I want to believe in an orderly baseball universe where it is their time. They have been in the deserts of baseball for 50 something years. They've got a vibe now that they've curated. They've attacked their roster uh, with intent and it's worked. And there's an electricity around that ballpark that San Diego baseball has deserved. I mean, they're a, it's a city that lost its football team. It's a city that lost its basketball team years ago. Like, I think it is their time and I want to believe in the narrative. Now, that's not how it works, but I'd like to believe in it. I want to believe in it, too. They slayed the dragon. Yeah. Right? I mean, the dragon up the freeway, they got him. <laughs> got their ass. I, you know? For as much as I, I'd like to think, oh, baseball's luck, and no, it's the way the ball bounces, I gave them no chance to beat the Dodgers. None. Even in my anything can happen in the baseball postseason, I gave them no chance. I joked about it at the end of the last pod because I believed in it. I felt it. They had no chance. Mm-hmm. And here we are. So... That said, the, the fun story ends because the Phillies is just going to blitz them to death. Like, I think one of those teams hits a bunch of bombs and the other one, although they've shown more. Like, if you were to make the long-term bet here, uh, you know, if you're going to ask me who's going to hit more bombs over the next, like, seven days or whatever, we'll take the Philadelphia Phillies. So, right? Like, as we, we've talked, the Phillies get talked about so much and it's always about like, what they don't have, athleticism. Right, good defense. Uh, you know, up, up until the last month, a good bullpen. Right, all that stuff. The thing that has just never been in doubt about them is that they're going to hit. Like when they're when they're whole, they're going to hit. You know, I know the Padres bullpen has been better. We talked about that. Hater being a game changer. Obviously, guys coming in to start the games are, are that's a pretty nice trio to have. But I think what negates great pitching in the playoffs, and we know this, if you can hit the ball out of the park, and when you look at the Phillies. Plenty of dudes are going to hit the ball out of the park. So I'm going to take the safe space or safe play. I think the Phillies go on in the World Series. All right. Uh, Andy, what you got? <laughs> yeah, that's good. It, it is going to be uh, Spencer Strider game one of the World Series. That's a good point, Andy. I, <laughs> I, 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 I do think that whoever is going to be from the National League, they're going to meet the Astros, but we can get into that next week but i i I just want to see uh how are you feeling if you're a nationals fan right now and you're watching bryce harper versus juan soto do you feel like a a glimmer of pride like hey these are our dudes and you know they one way or another led us to a championship or are you just despondent like those should still be our dudes how are you feeling if you're a nationals i mean i don't know they won a world series relax Right, like that doesn't that kind of take the steam or the sting out of this a little bit? Is that ultimately they actually went and did the thing, right? Like they, there's a World Series championship that's never going away. So I would I would think if there's any ill will at all towards either of those, it's gone. 
And I can't imagine that. I mean, with, with Soto in particular, I don't, you know, it'd be hard to think that would happen. The idea that they had teenage sensation Bryce Harper give way to teenage sensation Juan Soto. That's one of the most annoying, most beautiful things in sports. That's like Ted Williams is gone. Well, we got Carly Stramski. Uh, Joe Montana's on the roster. Well, we got Steve Young Steve now. Young. Like, yep. you, you should not. Like teams, the Bears haven't had a good quarterback in 50 years. Uh, maybe their history. And like the Niners are just like, oh, well, we've got this guy. And some teams, the Giants haven't produced a homegrown outfielder to make the all-star team since Chili Davis in the 70s. And the Red Sox are able Stop. to go... Wait. No, seriously. I, I wrote about it on a, a site called The Athletic. Yeah. When no, did you write that? Uh, earlier this year. I, I looked for the, the drought at each position. And it, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's a good... It's a good. Uh, it's a good article. I, if I don't say so myself, but were you sober? Never mind. I'll I'll go find it. Never. Um, but it was for to watch the Red Sox go. Ted Williams to Carl Yastrzemski to Jim Rice, and then like Mike Greenwell is the disappointment of the bunch. That's that shouldn't happen. Like I love when those teams. So anyway, Soto and Harper. Uh, that is a hell of a run that they were on. But uh, that's that's enough Nationals talk for now. That's we won't be talking about the Nationals for another couple years so um, <laughs> this has been episode 29 of the round table we will be back next week with the glue <laughs> if he's not traveling if he's not you know at some uh, club med somewhere i mean he says he's in houston he's probably just eaten i mean it, houston's maybe the best city to eat, to eat your way through right oh um, yeah yeah because the fuck the father. I mean, you've got everything. You've got the great Vietnamese. You've got that's like the truest melting pot or toss mm-hmm. salad in in uh, in America. So I loved going to Houston and covering baseball, air quotes, but eating my way through it. So good job, Andy. <laughs> we'll be back next week and we'll talk about some baseball. See you then. I'm gonna buck something. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.